Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. When people ask me the question, are you Shomerit Shabbat? Are you Shomer Shabbos? Do you keep Shabbat? I still to this day feel it's a fraught question. It's a fraught question because much like Kashrut, much like other matters of observance that have to do with testaments to Frumkite, testaments to how exactly I measure up to the means of orthodoxy with a small o when it comes to the observance of religion, I don't know how observant I must be of each individual law of the Sabbath for the person who's asking me to consider my yes to be true. Yes, I am Shomerit Shabbat. But there are some things in my household that we do with a great deal of knowledge that allow us leniencies that perhaps this person would not consider to be things that someone who would call themselves Shomerit Shabbat would do. It reminds me of a story. I tell this story all the time. It is an apocryphal tale of Rav Soloveitchik and his wife. Honestly, you all have heard me tell it before. I'm gonna do it again. Rav Soloveitchik's wife comes home from a trip. Rav Soloveitchik, one of the greats of mainstream orthodoxy, He's sitting in the kitchen, his wife walks in the door, it's late at night, and he is eating ice cream from a meat bowl with a meat spoon. Because he knows he can. Because there's no problem eating dairy in meat vessels with meat spoons if it's all cold and non-spicy food. He knows it's not problematic, technically speaking. And she says, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> You're trafing my kitchen. And it's a wonderful testament to what it means to be more lenient once you know more. How observant do I have to be to be Shomer Shabbat? What does it mean to be Shomer Shabbat? I want to answer this question by the end of this learning slash she or slash back and forth. We're going to do a lot of this in English, even though there's some valuable Hebrew. It's why I included all of this. There are two Rambans, two Nachmanides teachings in here, and they're gold mines. I mean, they're just beautiful. So I encourage you to take it with you. I want to start with the Rashi. The verse is the simplest one I could bring you. Kiddoshim Tihu. The verse isn't here. All you need is this piece, Scott, this piece of the verse to know what we're looking at. You should be holy. It's a command. Look familiar? Kiddoshim Tihu. You should be holy. And the question that Rashi and so many commentators ask is, what is, what? What is being holy? What's being holy? Who defines holy? What's holy? Good idea with the sunglasses. Nice call, Jeremy. Um, What's holy? I hope that makes it in the podcast. What's holy? What the heck is holy? Oh, so Rashi, who's in the 11th to 13th centuries, this whole school of thought, Rashi says, 
Hevu prushim min ha'arayotu min ha'avera shekolmakom shetamotze geder erva atamotze kedusha. He says, stay away from all the forbidden stuff. Don't do anything that you say not to do. Prushim, both peireshin and sin mean what? Separate, like ufro salenu. Spread over us your sukkah of peace, right? Ufros and perush. It means separate completely, right? So what, what does Rashi think it means? To be Kodesh as a person, what is Rashi saying? He reads the verse and he says, you can look deeper into the commentary too and answer. He says, wherever you see it, motze geder erva atamotze kedusha. You, wherever you find in the Torah a command to fence yourself in against such relations, you also find a mention of holiness. Therefore, you should keep yourself even a fence away from it. Stay away. So what does Rashi think holiness is? Any, any, anyone want to take a stab at a definition per Rashi? Rashi thinks holiness is what? Doing what? Or not doing what? Staying away from certain behaviors. He gives a specific definition of these forbidden relations, forbidden intimate relations that are mentioned here in this Torah. Stay away. Don't engage, he says. Anyone else? Don't do it, he says. Yes, Aaron. So like staying, and there might not be any staying away, needs to stay away from the temple. That's how she... So Aaron's saying, Rashi is sort of a literalist in this sense. He's reading the, between the, the white space there. So written here, Rashi says, listen, this is like the birds in the Kashri, right? There's a list here. These are the things you must not do. Don't do them. If it says Gedar, keep away from them, stay away from them. Anything else, if it's not mentioned, it's not mentioned. We're not worried about it, perhaps, right? Because perhaps, and, and perhaps that's what's, what Rashi is saying. I really, I, that's a very interesting take. And it's very specific. He says, stay away. Okay, we're going to get right to the Ramban because it's so interesting. Oh, Elon, you first, yeah. yeah. The one thing that's a little sinful, right? Okay, so he says, and stay away from sinful thoughts. You're forbidden to have sinful thoughts. It's forbidden. Don't think about it. <laughs> it's forbidden, <laughs> right? Now, to be fair, Elon, you're right. Not doable. And we wouldn't have a Torah if we didn't have all of these laws to say, what do you do if you do a bad thing, right? So there actually is a large and extensive system, even Nijoraita, from the Torah that says, when you think about a bad thing, here's what you do, right? So we have a system set up for that, but I'll give it to you. It really is a very not doable thing if it's black and white, right? It might be setting us up for something quite problematic and not doable because human beings think about bad things sometimes. Think about doing things that are not permitted. Oh, I see two hands in the back row. Okay, we'll make it to you, Tyson, but first, yes. I was Right. So it's a positive command. Kedoshim to you. You should be holy. And Rashi says, don't do this. <laughs> right? How are you holy? Don't do X, Y, and Z. Fascinating. Great comment. Yeah. Because, <coughs> yeah, as in conscious, simple thoughts as in, I'm thinking of this thing and I'm going to act on it versus 
it just like a random five second thought. Right, so could it, could it mean how fleeting a thought? <coughs> how tiny, how big does it have to be for this thought to be a problematic issue, right? Stay away from anything, completely away. How many fences do I have to build around not thinking about it? And I'm gonna, that's a great way for us to transition into what Nachmanides, what Ramban has to say about Rashi, okay? Because look down to the next commentary. You're gonna see, you're gonna look at it, turn the page and go, whoa! Nachmanides had a lot to say, didn't he? We're gonna look at the English mostly, only because there's not enough time. We wouldn't get to Kiddush, okay? But the, the Hebrew is beautiful. The Hebrew is beautiful. He basically says the following. You can even look up. Do you see the fifth word in the Hebrew? Do you see Hanazir mentioned? Gives you a hint at what we're about to talk about, okay? So the question here is just how abstinent do I have to be? He says, Kedoshim Tihiyu. Okay, Rashi says to us the following. Abstain from blah, 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 blah. This is, what, this is Rashi's language, Lashon Rashi. You see that? The first three lines are just him repeating Rashi. He's commenting on Rashi's comment. But in Torah Kohanim, I've seen it mentioned without any qualification. It just says, Kedoshim Tihiyu Prushim. Just be self-restraining. No Geder. Just be self-restraining, Kedoshim. And similarly, the rabbis taught there, you should, yourself, you should sanctify yourselves and kedoshim tihiyu. And the line there is, I'll read to you in the Hebrew, zeheitem kedoshim ki kadosh ani. Kishem she'ani kadosh kach atem tihiyu kedoshim. Be holy like I am holy. And in my opinion, says Nachmanides, this abstinence, does not refer only to restraint from acts of immorality. So first of all, he doesn't limit it to just what's mentioned in this parsha, as the rabbi, meaning Rashi wrote, as Harav wrote, but it is rather the self-control that's mentioned throughout the Talmud, which confers upon those who practice it in the name of the Pharisees, who called themselves the Purushim, literally people who self-practice this self-restraint, and the meaning is as follows. This is the crux of his argument. The Torah has admonished us against immorality and forbidden foods, but permitted sexual intercourse between man and his wife and the eating of certain meat and wine. If so, a man of desire could consider this to be a permission to be passionately addicted to sexual intercourse with his wife or many wives and be among wine bibbers, like uh, uh, people who drink lots and among gluttonous eaters of flesh and speak freely of profanities since this prohibition has not been expressly mentioned in the Torah as Aaron was concerned we might be reading it, right? And thus he'll become a sordid person within the personal permissible realm of the Torah. So therefore, skipping ahead, going to the third line from the bottom, one should minimize, sorry, fourth line from the bottom, that we practice moderation even in matters which are permitted, such as in the following, one should minimize sexual intercourse, similar to that which the rabbis have often said, etc., etc. Turn to the next page. He should also sanctify himself to self-restraint by using wine in small amounts, etc., etc. What is Nachmanides' take as opposed to Rashi? How, what is Nachmanides saying about what Rashi is saying? What's his response to Rashi? 
What are his two big pushbacks? Okay. As opposed to Nachmanides saying, don't go near the forbidden things. He says, be judicious and moderate. Okay, that's one pushback. Good. But not zilch. Great, not zilch. And the other one has to do with what Aaron brought up earlier, which is, don't think what? I'm being a little Socratic. I'm looking for a particular answer. Right, don't accidentally think that if we didn't mention a prohibition, that's definitely permitted, right? Like, we're gonna invent forbidden things, don't worry, right? Centuries later, we will invent bad, impermissible things, right? Don't, don't, don't think that, that that's not gonna be invented, because it will, Vegas is coming, right? So, right, so um, don't, but to go back to the first point, what Nachmanides wants to teach about, and I could stop the shiur here, but I'm gonna take us just a little bit further. Nachmanides wants us to focus on the idea that we are not a religion of asceticism or asceticism, depending on what region you're from. We are not a religion of people who refrain. We are a religion of people who self-restrain. We are not a religion of people who refrain. We are a religion of people who self-restrain. And to be a religion of self-restraint, this is now me, not Nachmanides, to be a religion of self-restraint, as opposed to a religion that requires refraining or asceticism, requires deep study. Because you cannot be in a mode of self-restraint and navigate tricky circumstances and kind of be in the in-between, eat ice cream and a meat bowl, say, right? One cannot do that without enormous knowledge, right? When people first go into the mode, when people, when people become uh, religious once again in their lives, I'll, I'll stay away from coded language. When people become religious again, they're, they're born Jewish, but they decide that they're going to become more observant again. Many times, and I say this with a great deal of respect, that starts in a place of deep observance. Because to be restrictive is to allow oneself to work up to the knowledge that it takes to go from refraining entirely to a place of self-restraint. Takes navigation. Let's go to the last few sources. I wanna to go to the bottom of that third page, this, the second piece of paper, to the Mesilat Yisharim, which is this piece of Hasidut. It's a piece of Hasidut that brings a piece of Talmud on another line on a completely different teaching from Parsha Kedoshim. It's talking about this verse in Vayikra about having just weights and measures. And the teaching goes as follows. Amru, vehin sedek, there, it, it should be that you have a just heen, a heen that is, that, that is a, uh, a heen of justice, um, or a heen that is, um, uh, that is right and just. You should surely have that. This idea of having a righteous heen, they're going to reread as having a just hain. What is hain? Hain is so, and it can also mean cain. It can also mean a yes. It can also mean a yes. And they're going to reread it as a yes. They say that just as one needs to have a righteous measure, one needs to have a righteous yes. 
So they say that it's here to teach us, having equal weights and measures, that we should have a righteous yes, that just as our yes should be righteous, our no should be righteous. That means that Abaye said that one shouldn't say one thing with their mouth and another thing with their heart. So as we're going through this process of figuring out who we are as people of self-restraint, that's a difficult place to be. How do you do the thing that you feel deep inside yourself? How do you become the person who observes the way that you feel if you don't yet have the knowledge to match that? What if I want to say that I'm Shomerit Shabbat, but I don't want to observe in the way that I see some people observing completely, but I don't necessarily have the knowledge to practice with the self-restraint that I see other people navigating so expertly. I neither have the knowledge to be so intricately able to say, oh, I'm not going to go to synagogue this morning. I'll pray on my own if I don't know how to pray on my own. But I also don't want to say that I didn't pray this morning. That's hard. So am I Shomer at Shabbat? Do I say yes or do I say no? That's why I place this in the middle, right? Is it a yes or is it a no? That's hard because often we're asked to say yes or no to these questions. So I want to end with the following two T. Oh, please, Aaron, yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of prayer, but positive things. So like going at your way to pray does not seem to be... I agree that there seems to be nothing there about the positive participation in religious life that it still does seem to be entirely a matter of self-restraint. So perhaps a better example in this way would be, you know, I want to be able to, uh, to exercise a little bit of, um, you know, I'm, I'm out and about, and I want to be able to exercise a little bit of creativity when it comes to what I'm going to eat. And so I wind up going to the grocery store and buying myself a can of tuna, and that is not what I would like to have for lunch. I'd like to be able to go and have a salad somewhere, but I'm just not Sure, because I don't know the rules well enough yet. And so I don't know how to navigate. I don't know what's forbidden well enough to know what to stay away from, and therefore I'm overly careful. I don't know what my yes and my no's are. Yeah. Great. I, I, I totally agree, Elon. My definition of, Elon says, it's not really relevant what their definition of Shomer Shabbat is. It's relevant what my definition of Shomer Shabbat is, of, of keeping Shabbat. And that's exact. thank you for this, because that's exactly where we're going to end, is like, what is the definition of that? And part of what's so challenging about Klal Yisrael in the year 2023 is that we don't have a shared definition, or at least an understanding that we don't have a shared definition. That your Shomer Shabbat might not look like my Shomer Shabbat. I happen to love that. I think the heterogeny, the idea that we have a plurality of ways of observing Shabbat is gorgeous. But other people, when they ask that question, mean one thing. And I'd love to live in a world where people mean more than one thing when they ask that question. So that's what I'm driving at, exactly what you're saying, that I want to live in a world where we're driving at more than one thing when we ask that question. So the Kedushat Levi has something to say about this Shomer Shabbat business, and he's going to get to Nachmanides. Here we are. This is the last text. Here's what the Kedushat Halevi says. I'd have someone else read it, but microphone problems. So here we go. Once we have appreciated this, the this in this moment, I'm going to give you the context. I want you to travel in time back to Yaakov and the time when he was watching over his many sons and Yosef, his son, was having dreams and he had a favorite son named Yosef and he favored that son many times over. 
But this one time that his son shared a dream, he thought to himself, maybe I don't push it and support so much. And he was shamarita davar. He kept that thing somehow. This is the verse, and it will be mentioned further down. This is the verse that's being referred to. Once in Genesis, this is mentioned, that Yaakov didn't say a thing about a prediction that was made in one of Joseph's dreams. This is before the pit, before the sail down to Egypt, etc., etc. You with me? That's where we are in the story, and this is what the Kedushat Levi is commenting on. Once we have appreciated this, we will also understand the opinion of Nachmanides, who writes that it is a commandment to mention the Sabbath on each of the days preceding it. This is why when we recite the daily psalm at the end of our daily morning prayers, we commence with mentioning what day of the week it is by linking it to the Sabbath, i.e., Hayom Yom Rishon Shel Shabbat. Today is the first day of the Sabbath. According to Nachmanides, this is the reason that the Torah writes, Zahor et Yom HaShabbat Lekod Show. We're going to say that when we do Kiddush shortly. Uh, remember the day of Sabbath to sanctify it, Likhod Show. Instead of merely writing, remember the Sabbath to sanctify it. It's remember Hayom. The message is that we are to remember the Shabbat Hayom every day of the week. The word Zahor not being in the imperative mode, but in the infinite mode. By doing so, we indicate how we look forward to keeping the Shabbat at the end of the week. Having looked forward to the Shabbat in such a fashion ensures that when the day arrives, we'll honor it with our heart and will not, God forbid, commit any act which would desecrate its holiness. From all the above, it follows that if Moshe had announced the fact that the manna would not descend on the Shabbat as soon as he had been told about this by God, the people could have prepared themselves for this day until Friday. Perhaps the desecration by some people of Shabbat might well have been avoided. The sudden announcement shortly before the onset of the Shabbat took everyone by surprise and resulted in some people not treating the Shabbat with the respect due to it. The word lishmor, to guard, in our verse, need not to be understood as to observe, but may equally well be understood as to wait, to guard, to restrain, to hold back, as it is understood in this verse in Genesis 37:11, where it describes Yaakov's reaction to Yosef's dream, in which he saw sun and moon bowing down to him. It means that Yaakov awaited further developments before deciding if there was any substance to Yosef's dream. This is also how Rashi understands the word lishmor in our verse, when he writes that Moshe was punished by God not excluding him from the accusation leveled at the community at large. He was the indirect cause of the desecration of the Shabbat by the people because he failed to prepare them for the advent of the Shabbat, etc., etc. I mostly want this teaching for the sake of, of the read of Lishmor. I think it's gorgeous. Lishmor et Shabbat is not to guard Shabbat, it's to observe Shabbat through restraint. We are not a people of refraining. We are not Karaites. We don't sit on the floor and do nothing. We're here, and we all did something to get here, and we all did different things to get here today. We are a people of refraining, not restraining from everything. We have a variety of things that we do, and it takes an enormous amount of knowledge. And this crowd, particularly Beitinu, I know how dedicated you are to learning and then learning more and learning more, and it's a process. It's a lifelong process of learning. You are Shomerim at Shabbat. You're guarding it. You're awaiting it, you're holding close to it, and holding back and refraining 
My blessing to you this Shabbat and many Shabbatot is that you are able to develop a Shabbat of restraint. Not a Shabbat of refraining. A Shabbat in which restraint gives you blessing. A Shabbat in which your preparation, just as it's described in this story about the manna, is that you have so much time next week and the next and the next to prepare for Shabbat that by the time you get to the following Shabbat, your preparation make it so that you get a taste of olam haba, so that when you're there in the Shabbat, you get to restrain from some of the things that you have to normally do on a regular day because you've prepared those things for yourself and you get to say, thank you, Past Hillary. Thanks, Past Elon. Thanks, Past Bonnie, right? I, I did those things for myself and it's right there. And then you get to refrain from those things because you had the time to prepare. I love that this last, that this last text acknowledges the reality that we are human beings. Just like you said, Elon, you're not gonna not think in pure thoughts. It's, a, it's such a great point. We're not gonna be able to just jump into Shabbat without preparation. My blessing to all of you is that we never grow tired of learning and changing what our observances are, that we always feel like we can answer with a just yes, and that we feel like we continue to be a people who are blessed to refrain but not, uh, to, to restrain but not refrain from the things that bring us such joy, and that we always feel like there's a little bit more to learn. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.